0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly.
1: you got to understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless.
2: so crazy about. It. It's just music. Welcome
0: to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DiRagotto, the pop music critic
3: at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today, on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we've got the shovel out again, Jim, and we're going to be digging up those buried treasures. One of our favorite kinds of shows, Mr. Cott. Music you may not have heard, but you need to. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news.
0: that is, of course, one of the anthems of the Summer of Love 40 years ago. Beatles uh, joining together to record that live on a televised broadcast, All You Need Is Love. Sentiment is kind of uh, naive. I always thought it was even at the time. It's it's aged poorly. But I'll tell you, there was at least an optimistic notion there, and it had nothing to do with soiling your diaper. (laughs) All you
1: need
2: is love. One, two, three. It's over. Ding, ding, ding. For ultra leak protection, all you need is loves. Coming soon, new Bear hug Stretch. It stretches to fit and helps stop leaks as well as the pricey brands. And the new undisputed living room Hey, hey. Leak protection for less. All you need is loves.
0: That is a uh, commercial for a product I won't even name, although it does have something in common with the title of the Beatles, All You Need Is Love. It is a uh, disposable diaper brand. Look, Every time we think we can't get further disgusted by selling some classic piece of rock music to an advertising campaign, we see it happen again. And now Procter & Gamble the manufacturer of this disposable diaper, which I will mention is not eco-friendly okay, <laughs> have you been reading about that uh, has has soiled, literally a Beatles song. The problem here is that, uh, you know, the Beatles themselves do not retain the rights to their music, so we've been seeing increasingly, there was a popular department store ad that's been all over the place using another Beatles tune, but this one, I mean just the, the notion of diapers and a Beatles song like that going together. Uh, Michael Jackson still retains part of the uh, Beatles publishing, along with Columbia uh, music, and uh, they're the ones shilling these tunes, and boy, oh boy, it just, uh, it's something wrong. Beatles fans are up in arms. They've been posting all over the web. They're really aggrieved here. I I can't Wait till we get to the point where enough people get so sickened by this use of, of music that it actually becomes a negative for the advertisers.
3: <laughs> I agree. I think the the most egregious part of it, as you said, Jim, is the Beatles don't have any control in how their music is used. And, uh, you know, it, it would be one thing if the Lenin estate was checking off on this stuff, but they don't. And it's got to be. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. I wish, they, wish we knew about this last week so we could ask Yoko what she thought about this. Absolutely. And furthermore, Jim, the Beatles aren't the only pop stars who are aggrieved this week about their way their image is being used for commercial purposes. I don't know what you heard about me.
1: Put up, can't get a dollar out of me. no, Cadillac, no you can't see. Then I'm
3: a that is the rapper 50 cent jim i find this next story unbelievable 50 cent is suing a uh, traffics inc an advertising company that is using graphic shoot the rapper advertisements on the internet in these uh, advertisements they are creating a character a cartoon character resembling 50 cent and the message is saying shoot the rapper and you will win five thousand dollars or five ringtones guaranteed the ad invites the user to use his or her computer mouse to aim and fire at the rapper oh, man. <laughs> if you fire successfully, the screen becomes bathed in red and the user is redirected <laughs> oh. to the traffic's website. So uh. here's a rapper who has made his living off of the fact that I've been shot nine times, he's written songs about it, he's crowed about it in interviews, he's shown interviewers his, his wounds, his, scars, his yeah. credibility as a rapper is totally wrapped up in his uh, imagery as a violent Individual who has had a criminal past, and now he's saying these ads are promoting violence and threaten his safety. Well, but who wants to be turned into a digital whack-a-mole game? I mean, <laughs> that's not, not not cool. It's not cool at all. Traffic Sync, I mean, th- that's pretty despicable. I've got to say. But you know, Fifty Cent is the one who created this environment for his music, and now he's upset that somebody else is trying to exploit it. I think the only thing he's really upset about is he's not getting a he cut of the money. He didn't think of it first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: another word for pirate treasure?
2: Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me.
0: Oh, Greg, it's that time again. A buried treasure show. This is one of our favorite shows of the year. We sprinkle them throughout. These records have kind of crept under the radar, Greg. We didn't get a chance to give them a full-blown review, but we've been enjoying them. We want to talk about them. We're eager to play good music. It's a whole show of what we consider great music. (laughs) Uh, To start these buried treasure shows, we traditionally have the uh, honorary coin toss. You call it. I'm going to call Peter Gerlnick in the air. Peter Gerlnick in the air. The other side is Lester Bangs and... Lester Bangs wins! <laughs> it was rigged. Come on. Uh, I'm I so always... eager,
3: you had to rig the coin toss. Great job, That's Jim. not true. Uh, I
0: always lose. Uh, but, anyway. but I've got a lot of great music, and I want to get to it. Greg, I'm going to start out with an old friend of ours. I'm talking about Ben Weasel, a.k.a. Ben Foster. These Ones Are Bitter is the second ever solo album by Ben. He's been the leader of Screeching Weasel and the Riverdales and has played in any number of other guises. Why is that important? Uh, you know, between the initial explosion of great Tuneful bubblegum pop punk Patented by the Ramones In the mid-70s And the subsequent comeback of it In the early 90s, mid-90s With Green Day And it goes on and on and on today You know, on the top of the charts Everybody from Fallout Boy Owing a debt to that music at times To uh, certainly your Good Charlottes And your All-American Rejects And your Sum 41s Your Blink-182s, right? The bridge... Between that initial punk explosion and this new sound was Screeching Weasel, this band from Chicago that made these incredibly tuneful, simple pop-punk albums. Didn't play a lot because Ben Foster, Ben Weasel, suffered from two things. Number one, uh, ticking people off, famously. (laughs) He was a writer, columnist for Maximum Rock and Roll. People were always mad at Ben Weasel. And number two, he suffered from agoraphobia. Couldn't really leave his apartment for long stretches at a time. It's been quiet for five years. Out in the country now, makes a solo album really interesting here because it doesn't have the ben weasel screeching weasel sound he decided to show the kids who are making all this money today with the platinum pop radio friendly version of punk how it should be done teamed up with two guys from all american rejects which have probably far outsold on their first day of their last album's release everything screeching weasel ever did including mike kennedy who plays guitar and produced the record and another guy from alkaline trio again another band that's far outsold screeching weasel and make this record with a really clean sound it doesn't have that uh, basement recording sound it's got this big brassy radio friendly sound and uh, Ben singing about the things he's always sung about, you know, fidelity and love and finding yourself in a, in a cold and alienating world, but doing it more so, you know, because the, the, the sound is so clean, and the hooks are always there on any record Ben's ever made, but it, it all just sounds so much more friendly to the ears this time, and Ben sounds so much more sincere, I think more sincere than he has since any album since Emo, which was a, a favorite of ours we played years ago on the show. I'm going to show you what I mean. This is a track that uh, is at the end of the album. It's called Only in November. It is a ballad, albeit a ballad by Screeching Weasel standards. It still moves pretty quick, but it is a real heart-on-sleeve love song and love-lost song. Let's give it a listen. Ben Weasel, only in November on Sound Opinions. in November, Greg, by Ben Weasel from his second solo album, These Ones Are Bitter. An interesting thing, Ben, who is pretty much a Luddite, you know, Ben believes in one microphone, you know, <laughs> make the whole album, what are you waiting for? He's releasing this only digitally. You can go to uh, his website and find it. E-Figures, there's no need for a record company anymore. Log on to my website, download this album. It's a cool
3: release. What have you got? I have a uh, band here, Jim, for my first buried treasure that is from a town near and dear to my heart because I spent the first 18 years of my life there. Syracuse, mm. New York, upstate New York. Not exactly a hotbed of rock and roll. Not Didn't produce a whole lot of bands, but they've just produced a really good one, I think. A band that has self-released a self-titled EP The name of the band is Ra-Ra Riot. They formed at Syracuse University in early 2006, have been touring pretty extensively in the Northeast, and uh, built up a pretty good buzz on the Internet. The band had a recent tragedy when their drummer, John Pike, uh, 23 years old, was found dead after a party in Massachusetts. But they've decided to continue. They've hired a new drummer, and uh, they're playing behind one of the best six-song EPs I've heard this year. Reminds me a little bit of that sort of dark... Forward motion of early REM, that propulsive, hmm. dark mossy REM sound, with more like of a murmur. Uh, yeah, that very much in that vein, but with a more of a pop overlay. Uh, the singer's got a distinctive voice, and much more of a pop song element over the top of these driving propulsive rhythms. They've also got an interesting addition to the traditional bass drums guitar keyboards approach they've got a cello and a a, a violin player that sort of add an extra layer of texture to the music and you'll hear a little bit of marimba on this record, so pretty ambitious little pop band out of Syracuse, New York with a song called Everest from their self-titled EP Ra Ra Riot on Sound Opinions That was Everest from Ra Ra Riot, one of my buried treasures for this week. Jim, what about you? What do you got next? That's good stuff, Greg. Uh, As I said, I'm sticking with the old friends theme. Luna
0: was a band that a lot of people loved dearly and we're sorry to see them come to an end a couple of years ago. Before that, Dean Wareham, who was the main man in Luna, led Galaxy 500, which I think is one of the great underappreciated bands of the 80s and 90s, that era just before Alternative blew up. I've always been interested in anything Dean Wareham has done. He's been keeping kind of a low profile in recent years, except for uh, working on the film score for that really cool movie, uh, The Squid and the Whale by right. Noah Baumbach. Yeah. But he has, uh, his partner, his love interest is is a woman named Britta Phillips, who was a member of Luna in the last couple of uh, incarnations of that band. They made an album together called La Aventura a couple of years ago, 2000 Produced by Tony Visconti The famous T-Rex David Bowie producer Now they've finally made a second album And I think it's, it's better than the first It's as good as anything Luna a- ever gave us It's called Back Numbers And um, they're doing some interesting things On here in the kind of duet mode Of uh, classic Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra I'm going to talk a little <laughs> bit more about that later There's also a cover of a Trog song That will break your heart uh, It's really beautiful, but I'm going to play one of their originals It's got this wonderful, sleepy Shoegazer, psychedelic Ballad, entrancing, hypnotic feel Going on, it's called Words You Used to Say By Dean and Britta
1: Glasses dirty The drinks are dead Happy birthday Have not you said. We're color-coded We're coded red And those are words You used to say I'm Bringing And I am gray, those are dragons we used to slay, those are games we used to play, and those are words you used to say.
0: Boy, oh, isn't that a beautiful song, Mr. Cott? Indeed it is. Words You Used to Say by Dean Wareham and Britta Phillips. They record under the name Dean and Britta. The album's called Back Numbers. We're gonna take a break shortly. On the way out, though, I want to sneak one more uh, half a treasure in. Okay, I mentioned Lee Hazelwood and uh, the connection here. I think Dean and Britta have really been trying to imitate those classic pop songs that Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood did together in the '60s. Of course, I'm talking of these boots are made for walking, some velvet morning. You know, he was the psychedelic cowboy. Was (laughs) Lee Hazelwood this weird country western guy combined with Nancy Sinatra? You know, this sex kitten kind of girlish voice. Those two voices together were really something. This guy has in recent years become a real cult hero. You've had bands like Tindersticks and Pulp and Beck and Calexico and even Jessica Simpson covering (laughs) Lee Hazelwood. So he decided it was time to give one more album. He says it's his farewell gift to the world. He calls it Cake or Death. There's some failed stuff on here. The guy is not beginning to end uh, perfect. But I like this song. It's called Nothing. We're going to be taking a break, and then we'll come back with more Buried Treasures on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American public media. I
4: took the time to say nothing to her. She took the time to say nothing to me. And in the time I said nothing to her, she said nothing. Love and pain, a yin and yang, still the same. Nerd.
1: So manches Mal, wenn er mit mir spricht, schau ich ihn an und verstehe nichts. Ich seh, dass sich seine Lippen bewegen und ich denke gar nichts. Ein bisschen die.
4: I'm a loop door.
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We're in the midst of our discussion about buried treasures. Records that have fallen underneath the mainstream radar screen the last few months but that we feel need your attention. One of those records that I feel desperately needs your attention is the song Falling Slowly from the Once soundtrack. If you have not seen this movie, I highly recommend that you do go see it. It is one of the best musicals I've ever seen, and when you hear the word musical, you're going to say, "I don't want to see a musical. I hate musicals." Because I've never seen a good. I'd rather be boiled in oil than have to go see this hairspray. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, and people talk about movies like Chicago. You know, and I know it won an Oscar and all that, but that's not my idea of fun. Let me qualify the use of the word musical. It tells the story of two people through a musical connection that they share. They never kiss in the movie. They never have any kind of a an affair per se. But they definitely fall into a deep, deep relationship through the music that they make together. And it's really extraordinary to watch it unfold on screen, the way the music is is used in the movie. They play full songs in this movie to illustrate the development of their relationships. Hmm. And it's really powerful. It's really moving. The track you're hearing at the outset here, Falling Slowly, is the first time they actually find that they have this bond, this, this mutual appreciation for music. He's teaching her the chord, she's sitting at a piano at a music store. There's only one other person in the store, the proprietor, who's sort of bored by the whole thing at first and then realizes, hey, these two people are doing something really wonderful here. And, and their relationship proceeds that way. It's a wonderfully told story, a beautiful movie. The, the two main leads in the movie are Glenn Hansard. Uh, some of you may know that name as the lead singer in an Irish band called The Frames. And he also had a bit role in that movie, The Commitments, back in 1991. That, mm. that role only convinced him that he never wanted to act again. Uh, he had no interest in acting after that. But his friend, John Carney, who was an original bass player in The Frames, has been making some very fine movies over the years, asked him to write the music for this film. And Glenn proceeded to do so, started writing songs for the movie, eventually got asked to take the male lead in this movie alongside a 19-year-old Czech pianist named Marketa Erglova, who happened to be his songwriting collaborator for a number of years in a band called The Swell Season. He had met Marquetta when she was only 13, when he was staying at the house of a promoter in the Czech Republic who really liked the frames, started booking the frames, asked Glenn to stay at his house in between gigs if he wanted to, and he met this precocious 13-year-old piano player, and they, they started to develop a musical Collaboration that resulted in this uh, the second band being formed the swell season. So what you're seeing here on screen, in addition to this beautiful story told by these two quote unquote fictional characters, is really sort of a semi-documentary of the relationship that these two people have. Hmm. And it's a it's a musical relationship. They're best buddies. They've only kissed once, uh, and that was it. There's not a, there's not a romantic relationship here. It's a musical relationship. So it, it's a, it's an intriguing storyline beautifully told and the climactic scene in the movie musically revolves around this next song when your mind's made up it is the moment when they finally get into a recording studio for the first time these two musicians and a small band and they finally record music together and and you sort of see them developing this relationship further in in the recording studio so here's that song when your mind's made up from the once soundtrack on sound opinions like everyone When your mind's made up from Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Erglova from the Once soundtrack, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing
0: new albums that are really extraordinary releases by uh, bands that have been around a while. One of them is Porcupine Tree, which is a a group from Hertfordshire, England, emerged in the late 80s and was uh, pegged as kind of a new wave of progressive rock, taking their inspiration from uh, Genesis and Yes and King Crimson, but also with a lot of Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon psychedelia in there. Stephen Wilson is an incredibly smart Songwriter with diverse interests. He's done everything from making techno, underground, dance records to uh, the Porcupine Tree, very much classic concept album rock. The guy is is a genius of sorts, but he's not hip. And so rock <laughs> critics tend to ignore him. I know I've been telling you that you ought to get on the Porcupine Tree bandwagon forever. It's been a losing battle on my part. I will say there are uh, two trends in music I'm seeing this year in a lot of the albums I like. We've talked about one a lot, apocalyptic end-of-the-world records, right? The other thing I think that's coming back in a big way in recent months is concept albums. With Nine Inch Nails doing Year Zero and Cursive's Happy Hollow last year, The Crane Wife by The Decemberists and Porcupine Tree has always loved this notion of tying together music and lyrics to tell a story. They've done it throughout their career, but I don't think they've ever done it as successfully as their last album, Fear of a Blank Planet. That title, of course, nods to Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. And Stephen Wilson was talking about when he was first coming of musical age, the Rock Against Racism benefit gigs were a huge thing in England. And, you know, drawing people together to protest the racism in rock and roll, which should be the last place it ever exists. He says it's time now for us to come together again and protest the new frontier, which is this saturation of media technology. As he put it when I talked to him, you know, you, you have this whole new generation now, a blank generation of kids, who are sitting in their room, playing their their video games, playing with their plasma TV screen, their iPod, their cell phone, and they can't talk to one another. <laughs> They're physically incapable of talking to one another. I think he's on to something here. The album was released the day of the Virginia Tech massacres, you know, and I mean here you have a situation too of this kid who would seem to have all the advantages but he has no human connection with anybody and life is a video game and, and violence comes out of it in the end, you know, it's just really scary stuff. This is an unsettling album. There are some deep uh, philosophical issues he's dealing with. There are some, some dark pictures, but it's also a really beautiful record. I think Porcupine Tree is a, is a great, tuneful rock band that, that blurs a lot of genre boundaries, and if you think you have them labeled, I would urge you to listen to this record, Fear of a Blank Planet, and think again, because a lot of what you uh, think that they are is wrong. This is the title track from that album, Porcupine Tree's Fear of a Blank Planet. Pine Tree, Greg. Fear of a Blank Planet. Good stuff. You got to go listen to it. I'll go see Once if you listen to
3: Pork. Actually, Tree. I've written a, uh, written about the uh, Porcupine Tree. This new record. album? Yes, I have. Did and, you like it? And I was not as enamored with it as you were. Uh, uh, I think those, uh, what the, can those, I do with you? Those lyrics you talk so highly about, I, I thought they were a little played. I thought well, I've, I, heard, I've heard that before. Well, then fine. I was <laughs> going to hold
0: my tongue. I think Once is sappy crap. All right, <laughs> I don't. You went out on date night to see it with your wife, and I'm glad you had a good time. But I don't get it. I don't get. Did the, you go but, see the movie? No, well, no, But I listened to the record. Okay. I don't okay. want, the record didn't make me want to see the movie. See the movie. Why would That's I waste I two say. more hours on the record e- if I didn't like the, yeah. the the movie? If I didn't like the, nah, I whatever. had
3: no knowledge at all of what this <laughs> movie was about. I didn't know there was soundtrack existed. I went out to see it. I was blown away. Right, was a terrific right. movie. You got one more buried treasures pick before we take a break, right? I, I do indeed. There's a new band in the UK called Dragons. They've just been putting out some singles. They finally came out with a record in the UK. I do not believe it's available in the US. But I highly recommend the singles that I've been hearing off this record. Who is Dragons? A couple of people of somewhat of obscure nature. Not big names. The singer is named Anthony Tombling Jr. And there's a drummer, David Francolini, who's had some somewhat of a pedigree. He's played with bands like The Cure and Julian Cope. He's been in a number of rock bands uh, since the 90s with a psychedelic edge Hmm. what they're doing in the dragons though uh reminds me a lot of what joy division might be doing if they were still around in 2007 and i don't mean that in an interpol kind of way Um, (laughs) you know i've heard interpol and interpol does a mean joy division well i prefer i guess the dragons (laughs) version of that a a little bit Uh, somebody's got to do it better than interpol it's a great sound I, i love that sound i love it when it's done well it may be not particularly new, but I think these guys bring some urgency to it. There's a merger of that sort of driving, almost tribal drum sound that Frank bringing to the table here with that sort of dark baritone voice of Tombling, and very much reminiscent, you know, I'm hearing some Killing Joke references in here, the early 80s Killing Joke records with that, that tribal drum sound, that, that driving joy division dark sound, Depeche Mode with a little bit of the, those goth vocals in it. It can be really horrible if it's done wrong. I think these guys do it Right. It's a track called Condition from a UK band called Dragons on Sound Opinions. (laughs)
1: On. the beat goes on, through the fire and storms, through the region of the soul. It's our like condition, it's our like condition.
3: That's "Conditioned from Dragons," one of my buried treasures on our buried treasure show. We're going to be back with more records that you need to hear from under the mainstream radar, and uh, we're also going to be back with a review of the new Nick Cave project, Grinderman. Woo! That's next on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. There is
1: no
0: Sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Mr. Cotton and I are having too much fun. It should be illegal with our buried <laughs> treasures. I am playing a neat little bit of space funk there called Drop from the second album by a UK supergroup called GitHead. G I T H E A D. As I said, these are albums by people who've been making music for a long time and are doing extraordinary new stuff, but maybe get overlooked because, I don't know, rock critics get tired of writing about them. <laughs> Who is GitHead? Do you know? I have no idea. This is Colin Newman of Wire. Oh, that's cool. Now, you know I'm predisposed to like anything that any of the Wire boys do, although I've been harshly critical of some of their stuff as well. There were three Wires, and Wire came together for its third reunion a couple of years ago, made an extraordinary record, blew both of us away, and now they've broken up again. They're a brilliant group of English. Arc punks have been around since the mid seventies. Can't get along. Can't stay together for too long yeah. at a time. But that's all right because then we get individual Wire-related solo albums. Colin Newman, I think, has made the most tuneful pop records of any of the Wire guys on his own. Extraordinary discs like A to Z in nineteen eighty and Not Two in nineteen eighty-two. There was another uh, couple in the uh, late eighties: Commercial Suicide and It Seems. He's made a lot of dance music on his own. He's running a cool label on his own called Swim. What he's doing in Githead is a uh, collaboration with some really interesting people. Robin Rambeau of Scanner, the, I I think, really groundbreaking and fascinating electronic musician, and his wife, Malka Spiegel, who led a uh, band... Called Minimal Compact Israeli art, pop, punk yeah, band really, really cool stuff And uh, Minimal Compact's drummer is in this group as well Max Franken What I really think it is though is a class A Backing band for Colin to sing some of his Solo pop songs again And uh, he delivers the goods I think it's as good as any of the records he's put out on his own And very nearly as good as it would be to have a new Wire record And I'll prove my point This is a song called On Your Own By Githead from an album called Art Pop on Sound Opinions You make it on your own, Colin Newman wants to know. That's the way cool UK underground supergroup, Githead, on Sound Opinions. Mr. Cott, you got another one for us before we get to the Grinder Man album?
3: I do indeed, Jim. Uh, It falls in the category of what you've been talking about uh, on your last few selections here, is a veteran artist who has sort of fallen out of uh, immediate favor. I mean, people always respect him. They always say good things about him, but he's like the that nice couch you got over in the corner Just there. Take it's it for been granted. On forever and yeah. it's great to sit on, but you know, you never take notice of it anymore, <laughs> you know? Richard Thompson is like that. I mean, the guy. That's true. The guy is a genius guitar player. I one of the I, I would say without a doubt the best technically gifted guitar player I've ever seen by that I mean his ability to take that technique and make it translate into really passionate soulful music there's a lot of guys out there with amazing technique yeah but they don't move you. yeah Richard Thompson has that ability to play you know have all five fingers playing at once and it sounds like three guitarists at once, and at the same time he's making these really, this really powerful passion music. Richard Thompson has been around since the 60s. We had Joe Boyd on this show a, a, a few months ago, the noted producer. He, he talked about the astonishment he had when he first heard Richard Thompson play guitar. One of the first great guitarists from that uh, 60s generation of British guitar players who were not steeped in Chicago blues right. and, and miming American R&B and blues coming up with a a unique style a unique approach to the electric guitar which has served him well in Fairport Convention in the records he made with his wife Linda Thompson in the 70s and early 80s and on solo records since that time he's now made a record called Sweet Warrior his first electric record in five years and it's a good one it's a great record again I think, criminally overlooked this year. A lot of people are not... There's just not a lot of people writing about this record, and I I don't understand why, because I think it's terrific. I think for, for one song alone, people should be writing about this record, and that is Dad's Gonna Kill Me, which I think is one of the best anti-war songs ever written certainly one of the best in in the mode of what's happening right now overseas in iraq one of the most vivid testimonials of what it must feel like to be a soldier in the middle of that conflict and richard thompson knows his protest songs knows his war songs ever since the days of fairport convention they were talking about bloody conflict and the human toll that these conflicts take dad's gonna kill me Dad as in Baghdad, for those of you wondering why he's named the song after his dad, no, it has nothing to do with dad, Uh, but Baghdad. Dad's Gonna Kill Me from Richard Thompson on Sound Opinions.
1: Out in the desert, there's a soldier lying dead. Vultures pecking the eyes out of his head. Another day that could have been me there instead. Nobody loves me here. Nobody loves me here. Dad's gonna kill me. Dad's gonna kill me. You hit the booby trap and you're in pieces. With every bullet, your risk increases. Old Alibaba is a different species. Nobody loves me here. Nobody loves me here. Dad's gonna kill me. And Dad's gonna kill me.
3: That's Gonna Kill Me from Richard Thompson, a new record called Sweet Warrior, one of my buried treasures. Next up, let's talk about a record that Jim and I both have been wanting to talk about for a number of weeks, and the time seems right because this man and this group are now on tour, and boy, oh boy, they are ripping it up. Come on, Jim. Wow, that's Steph Charge Ethel from the <laughs> debut album from uh, Nick Cave's new band, Grinderman. Boy, is that nasty! Oh my God, the, the entire record has that sort of filthy punk blues sound tone to it. We're going to get in depth into this review in a second here, Jim. But just as a, a little bit of a prelude to this, Cave started out in an Australian post-punk band called the birthday party which still sounds like one of the nastiest punk bands you'd ever want to hear there's some question as to whether or not nick cave would have survived or any of his bandmates survived in that band had they continued because they lived the life that they sang about it was a nasty brutish group And uh, it imploded, blew up, basically. Cave went on to form the Bad Seeds, which took the ideas of the birthday party and refined them a little bit, took a more orchestral approach to the blues. You'd still had that overheated punk drive there, but much more fleshed out musicianship in the bands. You had some really virtuoso players in the Bad Seeds for the last 20 years. And in that time, Cave became a respected songwriter. Here's this guy. Well, who's and a poet ass- and madman. a
0: novelist. And he had this whole Old Testament preacher yeah. thing. The guy is a scholar and he's a real writer. And also, so so you got this kind of orchestral thing happening and the literary thing. But it was time to get back to the Dirty Roots, yeah. wasn't it? I and think that's what Grinderman's about.
3: I think that's what we're here for, is that the Grinderman sound really developed in the studio when he started putting together songs for another Bad Seeds record, and usually those sort of demos, those very raw demos, end up getting developed into full-on, fully orchestrated Bad Seeds songs. This time, Cave said, you know, no, this... I like this nastiness. I love what we're getting here on this very raw level. And here's a classic example of what they did. This is a song that I'm going to edit for <laughs> we our radio it's so listeners. Nasty, purposes. We can't even say the title. We can't say the title of this song. But let's just leave it at this. We'll throw a euphemism in the middle. The middle word is a euphemism. No sex blues from Grinderman on Sound Opinions.
1: My face is finished, my body's gone, and I can't help but think standing up here in all this applause and gazing down at all the young and the beautiful with their questioning eyes that I must above all things love myself, that I must above all things love myself, that I must above all things love myself. I saw a girl in the crowd I ran over, I shouted out I asked her if I could take her out But she said that she didn't want to I changed the sheets on my bed I pulled the hairs across my head I sucked in my gut and still she said That she just didn't want to I tried best to stay up late I fixed the hinges on her gate But still she just never wanted to I bought her a dozen snow white doves I did her dishes and rubber gloves I called her honey bee I called her love But she just still didn't want to She just never wants to
0: That guitar explosion Something Mr. Cott. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was taking a long drive With my family On Sunday My 10 uh, my year old And my wife And I was sampling A whole stack Of potential Berry treasures Winnowing down They give me A lot of leeway Okay You know We're <laughs> listening To Ben Weasel And they're fine with it We're listening To all this stuff Then I played Grinder Man. It scared them
3: my daughter was upset.
0: Uh, my wife was like, "Enough with this! What are you?" You know, and that's great. This is rock and roll that makes people really uncomfortable. <laughs> You're I love that. Scaring the baby, I, oh, man! It was. You know, rock and roll still needs to have that power at times. And of course, uh, as a disciple of Iggy Pop, Iggy Stooge, uh, Nick Cave can be a frightening. Man on stage, especially when he channels that dark Gregory Peck as the Old Testament preacher in uh, Moby Dick kind of thing, right? (laughs) And obviously, that's a song about him not getting any satisfaction. And, uh, you know, the, the way that the music imitates the content of the lyric, and, you know, it is dark and it is dirty and it is frightening, but it's also very, very funny. Oh, yeah. I cleaned the sheets on my bed, I combed the hairs across my head, I sucked in my gut, and still she said. I don't want to you know. And it's like oh man And the whole album is like that There are nasty words galore There are ugly sounds that'll fry your eardrums It's one of the dirtiest, filthiest, scrungiest albums I've heard in a long time And I am absolutely rabidly in love with it
3: Yeah well you know it's one of those records where he's close to 50 And you can smell the midlife crisis coming on You know it's okay let's clean the decks Let's go back to basics Let's go back to our roots And right away you start rolling your eyes go oh no you know uh, what's this going to be like? And, and he's talking very frankly, it, you know, as you mentioned, you know, my belly's getting, you know, a little yeah. flabby, My I'm starting to lose my hair, I did the dishes for her with the gloves on, and still she yeah. didn't satisfy yeah. me. It's like, you know what, it, this, this guy's sort of pathetic, but he's laughing about it. Yeah. The other thing that, that contributes to the sound of this record, the nastiness, I mean, Cave really is not a guitar player. Well, he plays most of the guitar on this record. Warren Ellis, a world-class violin, violin player, player yeah. didn't play much violin on this record. Yeah. He played a bunch of other things, but he didn't play much Violin, so you get this really raw, dirty sound, and you can tell they're 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 sort of thumbing their nose at growing old. Well, you know, you think we're getting old, you know, and it's just like we're gonna we're gonna show you, and it's it, there's this attitude that's coming across that he hasn't had in quite a while. I almost think like as you were saying the the uh, Nick Cave literary image. It's almost like yeah. he's. Spiteful about that, I, I ain't ready for my tweed coat and well, you, it's know, like, you know smoking jacket. Lou Reed yeah. has essentially become <laughs> a
0: professor and a lecturer now, and Nick Cave is not ready to go there yet. No, and and I tell you, you know, I love the new White Stripes album. and I think that that's a great example of bringing the blues into rock and doing something new. Grinder Man's even better. I, I would have killed to have been there but a couple of nights ago in New York at Madison Square Garden Grinderman opened for the White Stripes can you imagine what we just heard yeah. at Madison Square Garden
3: yeah wow yeah that would that would be something this um, is a great bit I you know we
0: on the buy it burn it trash it scale this has been our buried treasure show they were all buy it's as far as we were each individually concerned this is an actual review we'll both rate it this is a buy it in fact buy three copies <laughs> buy one for your 10 year old and give it to her on her 17th birthday yeah you know because I, I will you know there will come a day when my daughter That's when she's going to frighten me, when she appreciates this record. But I'm glad. I'm glad there's still music to scare kids. (laughs) What about you?
3: (laughs) I don't want my kid to hear this record yet. You're absolutely right. This is not a kid-friendly record, and all the more power for it. Uh, It is definitely a buy-it record. What do we got coming up on the show next week, Mr. Cott? Next week, Jim, we have one of the great punk bands ever. You may not have heard of them, but they are one of the great punk bands ever. I will stake my career on it. As little value as that might have, the Effigies are a great band. They're going to be in the studio for an interview and a live performance that is going to blow you away. Good stuff,
0: Greg. As always, Sound Opinions has been brought to you by the Ace Production team of Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn, With some interning help from Chuck the Intern, Chuck Lee. And of course, Greg, our executive producer and fearless leader is Tori southside Malatia, who I think inspired some of those Nick Cave songs. I'm telling you, I just have
1: a feeling. I called this number three times already today, but I I got scared. I put it back in place. I put my phone back in place. I still don't know if I should have called up. Look, just tell me, why don't you? If I'm out of place...
0: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say.
2: New messages. Hi, my name is Scott. I live in Mount Prospect, and I've been listening to your show ever since it debuted. I am... It's my favorite show. Um, I had my doubts whether a rock and roll talk show would be worth listening to, and you guys are terrific. I find uh, at 56 years old, I find myself learning and uh, listening uh, to music in a new way and uh, discovering things all over again. So uh, credit to you guys, and uh, it's a great show. Thank you.
3: Hi, this is Dave McKinney. I live in Springfield, Illinois. Just got through listening to the uh, most recent podcast where you interviewed Yoko Ono, and I just thought, what a fascinating uh, profile you did of her. I mean, she was just, I learned so much off of it. I, I had this impression of Yoko as kind of the, uh, you know, this, this evil woman that broke up the Beatles, and uh, you really put a human face on her. I, I particularly liked the, uh, the anecdote that was, was so Chicago-centric about you know, walking on thin ice, and how she uh, came up with that idea with John uh, looking out a, a hotel window at uh, Lake Michigan.
1: Return to ashes, it'll be just a story, it'll be just a story
3: fascinating thing I had never heard before. Uh, and I got to admit, I mean, after hearing some of her music and, and uh, you know, taking a second look at it for you guys, I, uh, I I think I might take another look at her. Uh, take
2: care. Bye. Hi, this is Mary. I'm calling from Appleton, Wisconsin. I love listening to your show. I listen to it uh, on the uh, podcast. Um, I wanted to say that I really enjoyed the comment from the person um, saying that um, the White Stripes sounded like the uh, Muppets band, Even though I am a fan, I did not like the way they sell them. I thought the song, it the song, uh, sound, sounded like a magical musical thing, which was that uh, uh, instrument, uh, electronic instrument they sold to kids in the 80s. Thanks. Bye. Sylvia Ewing. I think you guys are hard on Prince, not on the caliber of the music and his lack of self-discipline to edit himself, but on his uh, creative uh, forays into distribution. The new world, it means having independence and reaching people where they are. So just like television shows and um, newspapers have to find uh, creative ways to get content to people um, so do musicians and what he's doing with the mail might have been um, a little more corporate but giving stuff away is a good thing uh, sometimes and I think that the, the, a newer generation is going to come up with entirely new ways to get their music out to people where the people are Okay, take care. No more messages. Go ahead, Chelsea.
0: To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline 1 888 859 1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.